Hello friends, I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. My, uh, this is Pastor Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are still in the subject of the blood covenant and we are talking about the blessings of the new covenant. Uh, we began by talking about uh, what a covenant is, then we talked about the old covenant and uh, then we transitioned to the new covenant and now we are talking about the blessings of the new covenant and that uh, and my point is that every blessing that God promised in the old covenant we have those very same blessings in the new covenant plus they're amplified and magnified because the new covenant is far greater and far superior to the old covenant also the old covenant was cut through the blood of bulls and goats but the new covenant was cut was made through the precious blood of our lord jesus christ hallelujah so now the next thing i'm going to talk about in the old covenant uh, one of the yahweh names through which god introduced himself to the people of israel he said i'm yahweh sidkenu which means i am the lord your righteousness he promised to the people of Israel that they would be his righteousness. So in the new covenant, we also have Jesus Christ as our righteousness. And then, and so the first scripture I want to share with you is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. It says, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version. I love the Amplified Version when it comes to teaching from Scripture because it gives us insights into the Scripture more, you know, in a different manner, in, a, 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 in depth than some of the other translations do. It says, for our sake, he made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be in and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Hallelujah. So now <coughs> in the King James, it says simply, God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. That Jesus actually became sin. Not only did he bear our sin, but he took our sin nature. He became us. Uh, he didn't only bear our sins, but he actually became us. Can you imagine the depth of the love of God that Jesus Christ, he not only took our place upon the cross and paid the price, the uh, bore the punishment of our sins, but he became us so that we can become like him. Uh, it is amazing. I mean, the human mind cannot fully comprehend. And that is the power of this wonderful salvation um, uh, that it is, it, it, it is something so deep the, uh, and the power of the new birth that the, that the work that God has done in our lives through Jesus Christ is so great, it is so wonderful, and that how important it is that by faith we take a hold of it and appropriate it, and we thank God for what he has done for us, because we can only give thanks to the Lord from our heart for the things that we fully appropriate by faith, because we understand it. So it's important for us to understand the depth of this wonderful salvation, and, 
then we have the revelation. We understand what God has really done in us and what we have become as new creations in Christ Jesus, that we are no longer merely sinners, you know, saved by grace, but it's much deeper. It runs much deeper, the work of God in our lives. And once we have that revelation, that understanding, we can begin to thank and praise God for it and walk and live in that righteousness. Because if we don't understand it, if we don't have the revelation of us of it in our spirit, we will try to live righteous lives in our flesh and trying to do the right thing in our flesh. And Paul says, in my flesh is nothing good. And the same is with you and me. And we try to live the that kind of life, that, that righteous life uh, out of our flesh. We do our best and we always find ourselves falling short. And, and, and living in condemnation instead of a consciousness of that righteousness. So it's important that we understand that and grab a hold of it in our spirits. Then we can really thank God because we realize what it is to be righteous, what it is to be made righteous. And that is when we begin to, uh, uh, you know, live in our hearts as men and women who, who have been made righteous by God. That's when that, that righteous life becomes a natural flow from us instead of an effort of the flesh. Amen. Anyway, <coughs> it says, and, and, and the reason we have been made righteous is the love of God. It is, that's what God wanted for us. He wanted to make us righteous. And it says, and, and to do this, this is what he did. He says, for our sake, he made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be made sin, that Jesus, it says he made to be sin. Jesus was made to be sin. Now, you try to understand that. It's not that Jesus sinned. It's not that, but God made Jesus us so that we can be him. I mean, the human mind cannot even grasp the the reality. Uh, I mean, I can't fully understand it, how much I may stretch my mind. It is such a powerful truth that uh, that only my spirit can take a hold of it. And I can see it in my spirit, even though my mind, you know, cannot fully grasp it. And it's one of those things that, for example, uh, uh, my, my mind still cannot understand. Although I have followed Jesus for 45 years, my mind still cannot grasp. Why? how Jesus could love someone like me. I mean, I know what I was and today I was driving my car and I, I suddenly realized how could Jesus love me? And I actually began to cry while driving because I, I began to cry. I suddenly realized, God, how can, how can you even look at me the way I was? And, and, and you loved me. And not only did you love me, you saved me. And not only did you save me, but the fact that you're using me and you're blessing me, this is far beyond me. And these are things that the human mind cannot fully grasp. But we, we take these things in our spirit and, we, and, we, and, and those are the things that make us go on our knees and we worship Jesus and we thank him for what he has done for us. And that it is all because of the undeserved mercy and the grace of God that we have received. So this is what it says, that because of us, for our sake, God made Jesus who was righteous, who knew no sin. Jesus who was righteous, holy, who knew no sin, God made him sin. 
not he didn't sin but the sin principle god made jesus us that's why it is so that through him through jesus we might be endued with and uh, endued with and seen as and be examples of the righteousness of god so that we may become the righteousness of god in jesus hallelujah now r- righteousness actually means right standing with god many people think that righteousness has to do with some kind of holiness or perfection in the flesh uh, nothing could be farther from the truth i remember years ago i was preaching when i was preaching in a church i asked the congregation i said how many of you believe you are righteous you know not one hand went up and and you know why people uh, you know people are born again uh, who have been made righteous they don't view themselves as righteous and there's only one reason because they are so used to seeing themselves in the flesh so the moment you ask somebody are you righteous and they begin to look at themselves in the flesh and they they measure themselves against the righteousness of god and they fall short because they know that in you know they are aware of this in my flesh there is nothing good paul said that and so they say no no i'm not righteous but you see we are not righteous because of who we are and what we have done in the flesh but we are righteous because jesus who was righteous and knew no sin he became our sin he became us so that we may become the righteousness of god in him so once you be, if you see yourself in the flesh you will never be righteous you will never be righteous but if you stop seeing yourself in the flesh and that is something we have to train ourselves to do and i have to train myself uh, uh, i have trained myself i mean to a certain point but you know in moments of weakness i still look at myself in the flesh but i then i have to remind myself no 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 i can't do that because my life is hidden in christ it is in god i don't live for for myself you see the bible says in him we live in him we live and we move and have our being and i've got a greek friend he said to me we says have our being means we are you know in him we live and we move and we are so i am christopher alam i am in christ i am not who i am in the flesh i am crucified with christ when i no longer live but christ liveth in me and because jesus lives in me i am not who i am but i am in christ and my life is hidden in christ in god hallelujah so because my life is hidden in christ in god i have to train myself to see myself in christ so i am in christ and because i am in christ i am righteous hallelujah so god made jesus who knew no sin who was the perfect holy son of god <coughs> and he is still is and who knew no sin he became us he god made him to become sin so that we may be made the righteousness of god in him so now you and i have been made righteous because of what jesus has done for us hallelujah now in the old covenant god said 
I am Yahweh Sidkenu. I am the Lord, your righteousness. That's what he said. I'm your righteousness. But in the new covenant, God does not only declare his righteousness over us, but he put his own son upon the cross, bearing our sins and becoming us so that we can become like him. In other words, there was a a, 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 such a greater depth to what God did for us through Jesus Christ that I can say it is not just a promise but it is a done deal. I have been made righteous because Jesus died for me in the cross. Even at the moments I do not feel righteous, I am not what I feel. I am who I am in Christ. So brothers and sisters, you, there, you may say, I don't feel righteous. That's fine. All of us feel that way. There are times we all feel that way. But the fact is not what you and I feel. The fact is that because Jesus was put upon that cross 2000 years ago and he took us, you and me, upon his own self, in his own flesh, and he became us. So through him, because we are in Christ and our lives are hidden in Christ, in God, we have been made righteous. Hallelujah. And, and you know what? The more we learn to walk in, in that reality, because it is not just an, an illusion. You know, sometimes people think faith is looking at an illusion and embracing that illusion. And then you pretend that illusion is true and then it'll become that way because just because you believe it. No, no, no. That is mind over matter. That is not faith. And mind over matter does not work. But faith works. Faith isn't imagining something and, uh, and thinking that if I imagine it hard enough, if I can say it hard enough, it becomes true. No. Faith is connecting yourself with the reality of what God has already done for us in Christ. God has done certain things for us in Christ and what God says you are, you are. So if God declares that Jesus has borne your diseases, carried your pains with his stripes, you are healed, then you are healed. But it is only when you embrace that and you take it by faith and you begin to thank God and say, thank you, Jesus, that you bore my diseases and your word declares with your stripes I'm healed. And so you, you live in that revelation until that revelation is a greater thing in your heart and your mind than the sickness that is in your body. Then what will happen? The revelation will swallow up and destroy that sickness. And that is how healing comes to us. Healing always comes when Jesus and what he has done for us upon the cross becomes a greater reality that grips us and consumes us than our circumstance or our condition. And this applies not only to physical healing, but to every circumstances we face in life that yes, we have this truth, we have this circumstance, it's real, but what Jesus has done is so much more real for me and I'm consumed by that reality. And that revelation, when that revelation takes a hold of us and consumes us, that is what turns our circumstances around. So again, I say this to you, that God made Jesus who knew no sin. He became us. 
he became our sin so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. So we have become the righteousness of God. We shall, we, it's not that we shall become the righteousness of God, but we have become the righteousness of God. So instead of striving to be righteous by trying to be a better person, some people say, I'll try to be a better person. No, you, you, you don't try to be a better person, but you embrace this reality and begin to thank God. I've been made righteous and I've been made righteous and I've been made pure and God has taken every unclean thing away from me. And you begin to live yourself that. Uh, live live that uh, that revelation and it'll just and what will happen is that that righteousness will flow out of you and it's going to bear fruit and people will begin to see a change in your words and a change in your behavior a change in your actions and it's not because you have tried to become a better person but it's because the righteousness of God which is in you is working its way out because you are yielding to it and embracing it by faith. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, let's let's leave this and go on. The next scripture I want to read to you is Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. And this is you know, the Apostle Paul. Because see, Paul is interesting because, you see, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he had lived under the law. And he had lived under the law. Now, most of us, people like me, you know, we can talk about the law. A lot of people preach on grace and they talk about the law, the law is this. Listen, the fact is, I'm not a Jew. Most Jews have never made an effort, effort to live under the law. Most of the Jews we know, they have never. In fact, I've got a friend, he's home with the Lord now, but he was a Hebrew scholar and Old Testament guy. I mean, he, you know, he spent a lot of time in Israel and study. And he told me, and he told me, he said, what the Jews today follow is rabbinical law and not uh, mosaic law. In other words, they don't live, I mean, they read the Torah and all that, you know, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, as we call them, and then read the Pentateuch. But really, the set of laws that they follow are not the Torah, but rabbinical law. Rabbinical law is the interpretation of the Torah as recorded in the Talmud, by many different rabbis and Jewish sages and teachers, you know, all their writings. And, and, and that's why a lot of the Jewish laws today, like Kashrut laws, you know, uh, have to do with food and drink. And they are actually interpretations of the law by rabbis. Uh, and I, I can give you one example. For example, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the main cornerstones of the Kashrut laws about kosher, what is kosher is that you can, uh, you know, there's many things in it and, and uh, things like, uh, uh, things like, for example, uh, one of the cornerstones in it is that you cannot eat meat and milk products together. They ha it, uh, you have to have six hours elapse between the two. Why? Uh, six hours. Uh, well, firstly, so a, a Jew will never eat a cheeseburger, right? Uh, like beef mixed with real cheese made of real milk. So when you go to Israel, you go to the buffet, they have meat products and they will not never have any milk products. Uh, all their puddings and on their things are made of some kind of artificial milk. It's not real milk. And because it's illegal according to the law, you cannot mix the two. In fact, in a real kosher home, you will have two sets of 
plates and cutlery and uh, for meat products and milk products. And you will have two sinks to wash meat. I mean, you don't even mix the, 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 you know, the plates and the dishes or the cooking pots where meat and milk products are cooked. And you have to have six hours between the consumption of meat and milk products because they say it takes six hours for the food to pass through your body. So in other words, meat and milk products cannot even meet in your stomach. So one has to go out before the other comes in. Now, they're very strict about this. So if a restaurant serves a cheeseburger, they lose their kosher certificate. And all the Jews know that you don't eat there because it's not kosher now. Where do they get that? Well, it's one verse of scripture. It says, you shall not cook a kid, a baby goat in its mother's milk. That's what the scripture says. I read it many times. It says, thou shalt not cook a kid, or that means a baby goat in its mother's milk. Now, rabbis have taken that verse and expanded on it and made it this huge thing that you cannot eat milk and meat products. You cannot eat a hamburger or a sandwich with meat in it and have an ice cream afterwards. You know, you, you just can't do that. So uh, now that's rabbinical law. So you, you got their laws now. That being said, you and I, people, I, mean, I know I've got some dear friends who come from Jewish background and, and even in, among the Jews, you've got those, they call them observant Jews. And there are those who are non-observant Jews. Uh, non-observant Jews are those who, who call themselves Jews, but they basically live like you and me and eat and drink what they like. But you've got observant Jews who have kosher kitchens and all that. They try to observe the Mosaic law. And so, but you and I, we can sit here and talk about the law. The law says, I've heard people who preach on grace, you know, talk about the law says this and the law said that. But listen, we can talk about those things, but we cannot even imagine what it is to like to live under the law. Because honestly, I have never lived under the Mosaic law. The only thing, I grew up as a Muslim and uh, there were several things. I would never eat uh, uh, meat that was not slaughtered in the Muslim fashion, which is similar to the Jewish way. Uh, but, you know, I would never eat pork. I would never eat that. That was haram. Uh, and uh, so I couldn't eat meat that was not slaughtered in the Muslim ritual, which is the same as the Jewish ritual. Uh, I would never eat pork, but we didn't have the same restriction when it comes to the meat and milk part. So I ate cheeseburgers growing up. That's good. But but even then, it was not as strict and stringent as the Jewish law. The Jewish law is very, very strict and stringent. When I went to Israel on the Shabbat, you can't even push the button on the elevator if you're a Jew because you're breaking the law. So you can imagine uh, some of these Orthodox Jews, they lived under the law, which you and I have never lived under. We can talk about the law. But Paul, uh, my point is I'm making all this because Paul actually lived under the law because he was a Pharisee. He was an observant, a serious Jew, and he lived under the law, observing all these things and, 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 and trying to be righteous before God. And so you can imagine, put yourself in his brain and, 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 and try to understand what he's trying to say in these verses, because he had experienced the law of Moses and lived under the weight of the law in a way you and I never have. We can talk about it, but he actually lived it. 
So in Philippians 3 verse 9, this is what he says. He says that I may actually be found and known as in him, in Christ. This is what he longed for. He says that I want to be found and to be known as one, you know, in Christ, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own, uh, my own based on my obedience to the law's demands. That is ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquire, but possessing the genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Hallelujah. So he's comparing the two kinds of righteousness, the one kind of righteousness, which he had spent his whole life trying to attain. And in Romans 8, he talks about, uh, you know, about that kind of righteousness. He says that he says, but woe is me, you know, because the things I should do, I don't do them. And the things that I should not do, I do those things. He says, woe is me. You know, he he struggled and struggled, but he says inside me, he talked about his flesh. There were other forces that were working against the law. And, and finally, he didn't know what to do. Then he says, but thank God, because of Jesus, you know, that's what he, you know, uh, he, he goes into. And now in Philippians, he's saying that he says, I want to be actually be found and known as in Christ. He says, not having my self-achieved righteousness that can be called by own. He says, he's talking about the righteousness to the law through keeping the law of Moses. He said, I don't want that self-achieved righteousness that I can call my own, which is based on my obedience to the demands of the law. That means this ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. He says that right standing with God acquired by doing all the ritualist the rituals the right way and all the laws and the statutes of the law and keeping that and trying to please God through doing those things. He says that kind of righteousness, that kind of ritualistic righteousness. He says, I don't want that. But what I want is the genuine righteousness, hallelujah, which comes through faith in Christ. So that kind of self-achieved righteousness, which by the way, was impossible for man to acquire because of man's own flesh. And uh, uh, because uh, in Romans 3.23, uh, you know, he said, uh, Romans, sorry, Romans 3, 21, he says, through the works of the law can no man be declared righteous. In other words, he says, you know what? I've tried it, done there, been that, uh, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, it does not work. He said, so he says, I, you know, this is what he sums it up. He says, I want to be found in Christ and I want to be known in Christ not having my own righteousness acquired through my own good works and through my own obedience to the demands placed on me by the law, ritualistic uprighteousness and supposed, supposed righteousness with God thus acquired. But he said, but I want that genuine righteousness, the true righteousness from God that comes through faith in Christ 
the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Hallelujah. My beloved, you and I, we should thank God. We are in such a great place. I never even slaved under the law. I mean, can you imagine him slaving under the law all his life and then coming to Jesus and discovering this and then suddenly realizing, oh my goodness, I worked all my life for that and I don't want it. I just want this. But for me and you, we cannot say we ever uh, had that kind of form of godliness trying to live under the law. But you and I, unless you are Jewish, of course, you and I, we came from nowhere. We were lost in sin. I mean, forget about trying to keep the law. We didn't know what the law was. We came out of sin and we came to Jesus. And suddenly, by grace, this righteousness, this genuine righteousness, which is by faith, was given to you and me. Us having never done anything to earn it or, or deserve it just because Jesus, he looked at you and me and God sent him to the world and he who knew no sin, he became sin for you and for me so that you and I may become the righteousness of God in him. So we receive this wonderful righteousness given to us through the blood of Jesus and now we came straight out of sin just because God had mercy on us and we came out and now we have that genuine righteousness, hallelujah, which comes through faith in Christ. And we have, it says, the true right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. So when I came to Jesus and gave my life to him, that saving faith gave me true right standing with God so that I'm truly, truly, truly in right standing with God and I'm accepted by God and the Father loves me and you just as much he loves Jesus. Hallelujah. We have so much to shout about and to rejoice about. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives, for your blessing, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless them, bless their families. May they walk their lives in your blessings, Father, in your glory, in your presence. Thank you, Father. Heal everybody in their house. Provide all their needs and bless them. Use them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I'll be seeing you again tomorrow.